Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Leadership Vision Podcast. <laughs> Brian, Linda, and I have been recording for three days lot. straight. <laughs> for three days straight. Amy is sitting over here. Amy, how are you? Awesome. Live studio audience. I, I hope that picked up. Live studio audience. We are finishing our series of five podcasts on the domains of strength. Today, we are talking about the relating domain, which is the one about compassion and joy and <laughs> hugging. No. And no. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll define that later. So keep <laughs> listening. You are listening to the Leadership Vision Podcast, where we share our expertise in the discovery practice and implementation of a strengths-based approach to people, teams, and culture. For more resources about developing your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your entire organization, visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. Hello, everyone. My name is Nathan Freeberg, and to my, well, straight across from me is... Whoop, whoop! <laughs> okay, that's Brian Schubring. That's Brian Schubring. And I'm Linda Schubring. And how are, how are you We're guys doing? We're happily married and... They're relating well. It's only <laughs> Thursday. I think they're relating well. So uh, there's some links in the show notes, listener, if you want to go back and kind of hear the beginning of this whole series about why we're talking about the domains of strength, what the domains of strength are. We go really deep into that. But Brian, could you just kick us off here today before we get into the relating domain and just summarize in like 30 seconds-ish, what is the importance of focusing on, talking about, thinking of strengths in their domains? One of the things we want to do is we want to begin to uh, draw our attention to team culture. What is the composition of the team culture? Because we know that in the work that we do and in, in the work that most of you all are doing, when you're working with a team, the team culture already exists. And so what we're trying to do is, is introduce you to the language of the domains of the strengths as one of the many ways that you can better understand team culture, better prepare for your engagement with them, and to help the team really understand the nature and composition of who they are when they come together. And the domains are just another way to organize the 34 themes of strength, how to think of them. Today, as I said, we're talking about the relating domain. Those strengths are adaptability, connectedness, developer, empathy, harmony, includer, individualization, positivity, and relater. And Linda, I think if we could just sort of generalize this whole th- this whole domain, it's something to do with glue. <laughs> Is there, am I getting that? I'm looking at my notes. What are you, what are you Flex tape. To? <laughs> Flex, Flex tape. Flex tape, gorilla tape, gorilla glue. Um, <laughs> describe this domain and what it is, uh, maybe some, you know, good descriptors. And then we're going to dive into how we're, how we use this with right. uh, like a team. When we, when we try to understand a dominant domain of a group and, and we start to detect that it's maybe a, a lot of uh, folks in the relating domain. These are the, some of the things that are, that we're bumping into that we're noticing. And that is, yeah, there is a glue. There is this essential glue that holds a team together. It could be flex tape. It could be duct tape, gorilla glue, whatever it is. But there's some way that this group acts that helps people stay connected and get connected and be connected through the storms of you know, whatever a team has to face. People in this domain, there is this sense of, of care or compassion uh, for, for others, for people, for the clients that this team is serving or the whole organization that this team is impacting. We also find that if we are wandering into the neighborhood of a relating domain, 
we start to see that, that this is a group that understands how to improve the health of groups, the health of organizations. They maybe understand how to grow people or grow teams or really provide the right professional development or learning opportunities. People in the relating domain and teams that function from the relating domain, it's almost like they know needs and they find ways of bringing about connection. And one of the things that I want to highlight here from the beginning is of all four domains and of all four dominant cultures that we are talking about, the relating culture is probably the easiest to detect because it's the most sensory available to all of us. You can see it when you walk in the room. You can feel the emotional energy when you listen to the conversations. You can see things um, happening in the room that are about making room for other people to be involved. The room may be set up a certain way that's very inviting for conversation. So it's a very sensory environment and you can feel very included in that. Or you can also feel like you're on the outside because there's something that is very relationally alive in that room when a team has a dominant relating culture. I was going to say that I think that the relating, like working with a team that has a lot of these themes that's dominant can be a big challenge because they won't stop talking. (laughs) They're so invested, engaged in each other. Um, And I say that in jest and, and in fun, but it's to your point, Brian, you can see it, you can sense it. And it's actually a lot of fun, if I'm being honest. Nathan, that's really a great point you bring up because in a dominant relating culture, there are two things that are happening. There can be a very relational dynamic and a very professional dynamic at the same time. I think that's one of the things that that should be explored is what is that relational dynamic like? And then how professionally are they aware of the relational impact of what is going on in the larger metaculture that surrounds their particular team? So Linda, when you're working with a client or working with a group and you discover this, you know, from our pregame research, so to speak, yep. like how do you engage them? Do you walk in and say, oh, you're a bunch of relators. Let's, you know, do <laughs> trust falls and whatever. Like what are some of the initial questions that you might ask to help them process what this means to have a lot of themes of strength in this domain? And I think it's, once again, starting with being curious and not just letting the data dictate what we tell them instead of inviting them to tell us how they relate, what they value in the context of relationship and how well they are doing with relating with one another. Because oftentimes that's more important than maybe the work they get done or it's it really informs how they get work done. So if I would go about the the business of detecting what's happening, I guess I would look at eye contact Maybe when I'm speaking or introducing the topic, are they staring at me? Are they staring at someone else? Uh, sometimes people, you, you mentioned they they talk, they could talk a lot. I think we have met, no matter what their strengths are, we, we know those people that do have a lot to say. When a team has a dominant domain of relating, it's almost a, a sense that every story matters. And it's almost like written on their forehead is tell me your story. And it isn't just, oh, because these are the people that we have to be soft with or put on our our um, gloves with and you know, handle them really delicately. Instead, it's how are you helping us tap into what is most human about this team, about this organization? And so it's 
it, first, we are watching how they treat each other um, and the, how they interact with us. That will give us a lot of clues on what, what they value. And so what Linda is saying really emphasizes the heart of what a relating culture is like, is these are the people or these are the teams that are very aware of the human people, community needs that every one of us have. And so some of of the indicators or frameworks that we use in working with teams like this is what are they paying attention to? Because they're aware of people needs, the emotional, relational, and social needs that all of us have. They'll have language and practices that are attending to the emotional, relational, and social needs. They also have a team culture that maybe has ways of really emphasizing why we belong, like what we're about. Uh, There's high levels of meaning and significance to the people there. And there's just a way, like like what Linda was mentioning, their language, their learning, their listening are all about individuals and growth and movement of people along the journey. And it's an extremely interesting culture to to be a part of because it's not necessarily slow. It can be very quick and critical, but either way, it is about understanding what a person needs for whatever is around them and whatever is next. Because you might feel welcomed. You might feel unique. You might feel encouraged you might feel acknowledged in a different way. I think one of the things that I learned from Amy um, as she was going through Strengths Communicator, as she was talking to to someone and walking through their strengths, this person actually happened to have all these strengths in one category. And as Amy was describing uh, this person's positivity, she said, you know, the best quote around positivity, I played it so they can eat it. And when Amy said that earlier earlier today, it helped me think into this relating domain. And if a relating domain is dominant, it's almost like this group knows how to plate things so you can eat it. They know how to set the table. They know how to put the right pieces together so something will grow. And one of the things I also want to uh, you know, ask us all to pay attention to <laughs> is what it's like to be in the presence of this team. Uh, We have recently worked with a team of, again, 14 individuals. Every one of these people had a relating theme. So this was a very, very relational culture. We did this entire engagement through Zoom, so it was virtual. And even so, even so, we... Linda and I felt like we were on the outside because they had language and stories and history, and we were definitely on, on the outside. And so a, a culture that is highly relational can feel very inclusive to its members and very exclusive to those who are around it. But that's what gives that un- that team its uniqueness and its effectiveness. So I really believe that there are many things here that we need to be paying attention to when working with a team with a high relational culture. And are they tapping their capacities or not? So if they're tapping their capacities, if they're mature in a way, they will help people. Um, if, if things are going poorly, it's almost, <laughs> it's almost like, oh, they, they need help. They are in despair. They are so in tune with maybe the things that aren't going well, that they, they need some new boundaries in their life so that they can connect in a different way so that they can protect that which is most beautiful in that team. 
And as you've been saying in each one of these podcasts, we just want to bring up the the three B words again, and that is bias, boundaries, and blind spots. Teams with a relating culture, they definitely have a bias. And one of the things that we have learned is that this bias towards human growth, human benefit, human advantage is sometimes a bulletproof argument to change because they, they can easily identify how some changes may be disadvantageous to those individuals in the group or in the organization. Also, there's something to be aware of around boundaries because sometimes uh, people or a, a team with a high relating culture, they're always willing to show up to help again and again or to listen more and more. And they themselves may not have a clear understanding of where their boundaries uh, stop and our boundaries of, of someone else begin. And oftentimes there's uh, blind spots that exist uh, around change or progress or speed uh, that may be there just because they're they're really focused on an individual's need and not a collective social yeah. need. So I'm, something I'm curious about is um, I think technically it would be possible to have a team who is dominant in one of the domains, let's say the relating domain, but no individuals are dominant in that domain. What, if anything, would you do with that level of data or knowledge understanding to help the team understand how they might... Um, how they may operate, how that might be impacting their culture. I think what you're tapping into there, Nathan, is something really important is because how that team actually gets their work done may be answered when you address this question. Because the team that I'm referring to, this dashboard that I'm looking at in front of me, yep, all 14 members have relating themes, but the dominant strength of the group is responsibility, which is an executing strength. So this team very efficient. Uh, they worked extremely well together. It had a relational charge to it, but there was no imbalance of you know whether they're going to get something done or not because they had critical thinking skills. They had a lot of executing themes, so they were getting things done. So again, this is how do they accomplish their work? That's a, a question we'll always ask of a team that has a high relating culture. So let me ask you another question. Can you have a team that is technically dominant in relating, but it's degenerative. It's those relationships are not healthy. I'm gonna throw some. Do we fix that? Quote unquote. I'm doing yeah. air quotes. Do we yeah. fix that? Do we fire people? Do we get people to no, change? No, no. Like, what do you do? And this is a, a much bigger, broader question about just dysfunctional team relationships in general. But does that it's, make sense? It's, it's always an invitation to grow. It's always an invitation to get better. And so I might throw back this question about strengths. Oh, so, so just so you know that someone has this strength, and, and what if they're degenerative with it? What if they're sucking the life out of their team or their organization or their family? Does that mean, you know, do, are we going to go in and fix them? And instead, we want to harness what's best. It, this points to great capacity as a domain to really connect well, to be the glue to an organization, to help people understand what healthy relationships look like. And we want to fan that flame of this generative posture of how to fan the flame of this is a really feeling organization. They really are people centered. They care about it. Maybe they have the, uh, maybe they have the double bottom line where they, they do, they, they're profitable, but they also care about the development of people. Right. Right. And I think that's such an important, uh, distinction, reminder, whatever you want to 
want to say about it because there's always room for growth. There's room for to be curious. And I think a lot of the maybe team dysfunction that we encounter comes out of people who are not curious, who don't understand these other people around the table. Um, so where, where do we go from here? Like what's, what's sort of the next step in this, this process? The next step in this process is a challenge that I want to invite all of us to engage. And, and that is, like I was mentioning with the influencing themes, we love to be around people who are a team culture that's highly influential. Guess what? We all love to be around a team culture that's also highly relational. One of the things I think that we should be paying attention to is not just what it's like relationally within that team, but how does that team influence relationally to the organization? Because if you have a, a team culture that's, that has high relating themes, that those individuals of that team will also be highly relational when they engage other entities in the organization and work with other teams. They're going to bring that relational orientation with them. And one of the things that we do through a lot of our curriculum is, is ask questions that lead an individual to how they're relating outside of their context. That's also important to know. This relational nature, this relational culture is carried with people as they venture into the other entities of their job and other requests that are made of them, they show up relationally. Linda, any final thoughts? Yeah, I have a final thought because I've, I've watched people new to a team walk onto a team that their dominant domain is relating and they're like, get me the heck out of here. I don't want to hold hands. I don't want to do kumbaya. I don't want to do all these things. Don't want to ask me how I'm feeling. I want to... No, we do not do trust falls. Anyway, so, but there's that, oh, we're talking about our emotions. I want to get work done. And what's important to know when, when we're in, um, encountering or detecting that, that a, the team might have relating as a dominant domain, one of the things we're looking for is, okay, well then how does this team get work done? Because maybe they get it done through relationships and maybe they work the really long, hard days. Maybe they're workaholics. Maybe, maybe they're super industrious, but they do it because they're motivated by the care for people or that we would all be connected or we would be globally linked. I would ask other questions of, of how does this, this group in the relating domain, how do they think things through? Because guess what? They probably are always thinking of a person. They're often thinking of what, how will this impact individuals, teams, family systems, and so on. This group will also, it's important to know this group, um, how do they influence how do they influence? Because maybe they influence relationally. And because of the health that is brought to the team or the ways that they're able to interact and process their feelings or process what they're doing together, guess what? It impacts family systems. Guess what? It impacts the organizations that they serve outside of the regular work day. And so there's always something going on. And um, it's not just this touchy-feely throwing stardust and holding hands. It's rather, nope, it's, it's almost the most human-centered domain of the four. One of the things I've really appreciated about these, these four episodes, these, these conversations that we've done, is that regardless of your familiarity with strengths, we're asking you to zoom out go to the moon essentially and look you know look down on your team from this you know 
two-mile foot view, so to speak. Because you can ask yourself the questions of how does a team get things done? How do you think things through? How do you influence others? And how do you relate, whether internally or externally, whatever that is? And so, again, regardless of your familiarity with strengths language, you need to be asking these questions because ultimately, I think these four things is how you move your mission of your organization forward, regardless of what that is, what your industry is, etc. So, um, this has been fun, Brian, Linda. I really, I, 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 I feel like I understand our team a little bit better. Yeah, this concept's a little bit better. You know, we've been talking about them for years. So, thank yes. you. Thank you. Thanks for great questions. It <laughs> makes us better, yeah. Absolutely. And thank you, listener, for listening to the Leadership Vision Podcast, sharing our expertise in the discovery, practice, and implementation of a strengths-based approach to people, teams, and culture. For more resources about developing your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your entire organization, click the link in the show notes or visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. And if you have a question about anything you heard in this episode or a previous episode, or you just would like to ask us some questions about your team or how you can improve, whatever it is, you can send Amy, who's sitting right to my left, a question at connect at leadershipvisionconsulting.com and she will get back to you within one hour. No. Or 48 hours, one of the two, or or, or a week. Eventually. It will be quick. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Nathan Freeberg. I'm Linda Schubring. And I am Brian Schubring. And on behalf of our entire team, thanks thanks for for listening. We care about you and the related. The Leadership Vision Band, (laughs) a cappella group. No, No. never us. Called Leader Tonics will be next week on the podcast. (laughs) 